Right, turn to Galatians chapter 2. Maybe as um, no, that's going to take too long. Sorry, no slides this morning. All right, Galatians chapter two, and we'll start reading um, from verse one. Then, fourteen years after, I went up again to Jerusalem with Barnabas, and took Titus with me also. And I went up by revelation and communicated unto them that gospel which I preach among the Gentiles but privately to them which were of reputation, lest by any means I should run or had run in vain. But neither Titus, who was with me, being a Greek, was compelled to be circumcised, and that because of false brethren unawares brought in, who, priv who came in privily to spy out our liberty, which we have in Christ Jesus, that they might bring us into bondage, to whom we gave place by subjection, no, not for an hour, that the truth of the gospel... Um, might continue with you. But of these who seem to be somewhat, whatsoever they were, it maketh no matter to me, God accepteth no man's person. For they who seem to be somewhat in conference added nothing to me. But contrarywise, when they saw that the gospel of the uncircumcision was committed unto me, as the gospel of the circumcision was unto Peter, for he that wrought effectually in Peter to the apostleship of the circumcision, the same was mighty in me toward the Gentiles. And when James, Cephas, and John, who seemed to be pillars, perceived the grace that was given unto me, they gave to me and Barnabas the right hands of fellowship, that we should go unto the heathen and they unto the circumcision. Only they would, that we should remember the poor, the same which I also was forward to do. All right, let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we Thank you so much for this opportunity of just being able to uh, once again um, uh, learn more about you um, through this um, epistle that Paul wrote to the Galatians and particularly about um, the gospel message and how precious, how precious um, it is, Father. And we pray that you'll teach us. Um, we'll pray that uh, you'll continue. Um, to equip us, Father, for the work of the ministry, that we may be always ready and willing um, to give an answer for the hope um, that you have given to us with meekness and with fear. For it's in Jesus' name we ask these things. Amen. Um, just go back to chapter 1. And verses 6 and 7. I marvel that ye are so soon removed from him that called you into the grace of Christ unto another gospel, which is not another, but there be some that trouble you and would pervert um, the gospel of Christ. Um, the purpose of this epistle is to set the record straight as far as um, the, um, the gospel message is concerned. You know, Paul has preached um, to... Uh, the Galatians, um, the gospel message, and many have been saved as a result. And now 
um, there are there are some um, who would creep into um, their churches and try and pervert that gospel message. Um, and so Paul is and and that's bad enough. But some of the believers um, are accepting that perversion. And so Paul um, is compelled to write this epistle to them to set the record straight as to um, the gospel message and, and what it is. But think about um, what the Galatians have heard, okay, and who they heard it from. Okay, so they've, they've, they've heard the gospel message um, through the Apostle Paul. Um, they've had some pretty good um, foundational teaching. They've, they've heard it right from the horse's mouth. Paul has already um, reminded them how the gospel message is not something that he received via other men. Okay, the gospel message was um, uh, cleared up for him, was proclaimed to him clearly by the Lord Jesus himself. Okay, so he has, he has the qualification of, of an apostle because he has um, sat under the teaching of Jesus himself, even though he is an apostle, um, you know, out of timing with the other apostles. Um, but nevertheless, he has been taught by the Lord himself. And so these Galatians have heard this gospel message from Paul. Um, and yet, they still falter. And yet, some of them have still been uh, tempted to um, pervert the gospel message or believe a different gospel message. So much so that Paul has to write... Um, this epistle to the Galatians and so I say that because we need to be careful too um, and clearly we need to be careful as well because Paul has uh, Paul, God has put the book of Galatians as part of the canon and so this serves as a, as a warning to us too um, and so we need to take note of what Paul um, says in um, in this epistle, and not not only um, you know being able to explain what the gospel message is, but living the gospel message too. And we'll see more about that um, in the next half of the chapter, which we won't get to for a while. Um, but um, it'll just just these first ten verses will take a couple of sessions. Um, but the next the next half of the chapter, Paul deals with um, with Peter and and how he lives the gospel message. But we'll see that then. Okay. But um, so we've already seen in in chapter one um, in as Paul explores the answer to these questions in chapter one. You know, he marvels that they are so soon removed from him that called them into the grace of Christ unto another gospel, which is not another, but there be some that trouble you and would pervert the gospel of Christ. As, as Paul explores why um, you know, they are wavering, um, his first point um, for the rest of the chapter one was that the gospel message that he preached to them was not of human origin. 
You know, he received it directly um, from the Lord himself, the gospel message. And then now, in the first 10 verses um, of chapter 2, um, we're going to look at how this gospel message that he preached to them has been confirmed by other believers. And then um, in the second half of chapter 2, we'll see how the gospel um, or, or the messengers of the gospel are not above the message. Okay, and that's in the second half of chapter 2. But let's look now at how the gospel message, as Paul preached it to the Galatians, is confirmed among the believers. So God has not made the gospel dependent on mankind for its authority. A teacher doesn't have to be intelligent or well-spoken to communicate the basics of Christ's good news. Now, the gospel message is simple. Even though there's a lot that God has done in the background, you know, not the least of which is sending his son to die on the cross in our place. Um, and there's, there's, a lot of, there's a lot of theology tied up in the gospel message, but the gospel message is simple. You know, it's, it's simple enough that, um, you know, often our three-year-old children can um, understand it enough to get saved. Um, and so the message is simple. There's, the, the, the message is not complicated, even though, you know, there's a, there's a lot of... Um, there's a lot that we can learn about the gospel message even after we get saved, you know, about the theology that, um, that's involved in it and all the, all the intricacies um, involved in the gospel message. But the message itself, um, the, um, the means to salvation is simple. You know, it's, it's simply that we need to acknowledge to God um, that we are sinners um, and to accept Jesus Christ as our substitute. Um, and to ask God to save us, and it's you know it's as simple as that. Um, so God doesn't require super intelligent people um, to preach the gospel message. Doesn't it, you know anybody can proclaim the gospel message? God uses imperfect men and women to communicate His um, glory. Just turn over now to. Um, 1 Corinthians and chapter 1 and starting from verse 17 which um, cup did you use pastor? so I'm safe Um, so 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and starting from verse 17. So again, Paul uh, is, is talking to um, the Corinthians. For Christ sent me not to baptize, but to preach the gospel, not with wisdom of words, lest the cross of Christ should be made of none effect. We, and and part, part of the point of what Paul is, is trying to make here is that we don't, we don't need to get fancy with the gospel message. You know, when, um, you know, I, I often think of when, um, you know, 
know that the possibility of opportunities to um, uh, to witness to to my colleagues um, comes up. I don't have to come up with fancy arguments about you know particularly seeing as though you know my colleagues are, are science you know science trained as well. I don't have to come up with fancy arguments um, about um, about the gospel message. You know. At the end of the day, and you know, if we get the chance to uh, to witness to some some people from different cults, we don't have to come up with fancy arguments. Um, you know, if the Lord gives us an answer for something they say, well and good, but all they need to hear is the gospel message. You know, and then it's and then God will do the work um, in their hearts and lives. You know, because at the end of the day. He's the one that's got to open their eyes um, so that they can see their need to get saved. Our, our job, um, our, our calling is to, is to proclaim the message. God will do the rest. Um, that's, that's his responsibility. Um, our responsibility is simply to proclaim, you know, to be um, a faithful witness and testimony for him. Verse 18. For the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness, but unto us which are saved, it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and will bring to nothing the understanding of the prudent. You know, the, the gospel message seems foolish, you know, to the unsaved. You know, it, it, it doesn't seem wise. Um, we have the, um, uh, the Sunday school song, you know, the upside upside downside up song um, or whichever way it goes um, but you know but that's that you know ev everything's back to front isn't it um, you know what um, God says is is truth in his word is often at complete odds with what the world um, believes isn't it um, and so the gospel message um, seems foolish to the unsaved um, verse 20, where is the wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the disputer of this world? Hath not God made foolish the wisdom of this world? For after that, in the wisdom of God, the world, by wisdom, knew not God. It pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. For the Jews require a sign, and the Greeks seek after wisdom. And you know, that's... We have the importance of, of preaching, you know, just um, just simple, old-fashioned, good preaching, you know, which we get to enjoy here. Um, and that's that's part of God's that's part of God's program, you know. We we don't need to get fancy with, um, you know, with the preaching with all sorts of gimmicks and, and things. Just good old-fashioned preaching, you know, of just faithfully proclaiming um, you know God's word is all that's needed um, and then God, uh, the Holy Spirit will work in our hearts and lives to conform us to that, to that image um, verse 22 for the Jews require a sign and the Greeks seek after wisdom but we preach Christ crucified unto the Jews a stumbling block and unto the Greeks foolishness but unto them which are called both Jews and Greeks Christ 
the power of God and the wisdom of God. Because the foolishness of God is wiser than men, and the weakness of God is stronger than men. For ye see your calling, brethren, how that not many wise men after the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called. But God hath chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. And God hath chosen the weak things of the world to confound the things which are mighty. And base things of the world and things which are despised hath God chosen, yea, and things which are not, to bring to naught things that are, that no flesh should glory in his presence. But of him are ye in Christ Jesus, who of God is made unto us wisdom and righteousness and sanctification and redemption, that according as it is written, he that glorieth, let him glory in the Lord. And that's the result, isn't it? You know, as people get saved, as, as people, um, you know, through the preaching of, you know, just the plain gospel truth, the preaching of the word, as, people, as, as we are strengthened in our faith in him, it's God who gets the glory. Um, and, you know, that's, that's the point. Okay, next chapter. Um, and I, brethren, when I came to you, came not with excellency of speech or of wisdom, declaring unto you the testimony of God. For I determined not to know anything among you, save Jesus Christ and him crucified. And I was with you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling. And my speech and my preaching was not with enticing words of man's wisdom, but in demonstration of the spirit and of power. You know, Paul's preaching... He's, he's saying here to the Corinthians to them, it wasn't fancy, it was just the plain, the plain truth. Um, verse five: that your faith should not stand in wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Howbeit, we speak wisdom among them that are perfect, yet not the wisdom of this world, nor of the princes of this world that come to naught, but we speak the wisdom. Of God in a mystery, even the hidden wisdom which God ordained before the world unto our glory, which none of the princes of this world knew, for had they known it, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. But as it is written, I have not seen nor ear heard, neither have entered into the heart of man the things which God hath prepared for them that love him. But God hath revealed them unto us by his spirit for the spirit searcheth all things yea the deep things of God for what man knoweth the things of man save the spirit of man which is in him even so the things of God knoweth no man but the spirit of God now we have received not the spirit of the world but the spirit which is of God that we might know the things that are freely given to us of God which things also we speak not in the words of man's wisdom teacheth, but which the Holy Ghost teacheth, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. But the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto him. Neither can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. But he that is spiritual judgeth all things, yet he himself 
is judged of no man. For who hath known the mind of the Lord, that he may instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. So anybody can proclaim um, the gospel message. Um, but God does expect us to teach the messages, uh, sorry, to test the messages preached to us by others. Every person claiming to be a minister of truth must have his message compared to God's word. Nobody gets a pass on this. A person isn't a true minister just because um, your pastor likes him or because he was featured on our favorite t uh, talk show um, or they have a slick presentation style. Um, we, must, we must test any teaching of, um, of the gospel. Okay, so why should we look at how others teach the gospel? Because the gospel is the heart of all Christian teaching. We must study God's word to detect false teachers. And hence the reason for the book of the epistle to the Galatians. Um, you know, the Galatians should have been diligent in testing those who were um, uh, challenging the um, the gospel message or adding to the gospel message so the testing is commanded by God every believer has the responsibility to test um, the gospel or uh, the gospel message as preached to see if it's true we cannot simply find teachers that sound good and accept whatever they say without question think of the Bereans back in Acts chapter 7 17 sorry so just turn back there. Acts chapter 17. Now, Acts 17 and starting from verse 10. And the brethren immediately sent Paul, uh, sent away Paul and Silas by night unto Berea, they'd just been at Thessalonica, who, coming thither, went into the synagogue of the Jews. And these were more noble than those in Thessalonica. Why? In that they received the word with all readiness of mind, and searched the scriptures daily, whether those things were so. Okay, so they, they listened intently to what was said, and then they searched the scriptures as to whether the, you know, the things were said um, is what was said in the scriptures. Um, verse 12, Therefore many of them believed, also of honourable women, which were Greeks, and of men, not a few. But when the Jews of Thessalonica had knowledge that the word of God was preached of Paul at Berea, they came thither also and stirred up the people. And then immediately the brethren sent away Paul to go as it were to the sea. But Silas and Timotheus abode there still. And they that uh, conducted Paul brought him into Athens and receiving a commandment um, unto Silas and Timotheus for to come to him with all speed, they departed. So the Bereans, they were more noble than the Thessalonians um, because they not only um, listened intently to what was said, but they searched the scriptures daily as to whether those things um, were so or not. So we ought to test 
um, always be comparing what is preached to us to what uh, God's word says. Um, so back here in Galatians chapter 2, um, in verses 1 and 2, Paul received a special revelation from God that he should travel to Jerusalem and let those at the church there examine his doctrine and compare it to Christ's teaching. So let's just read that again. Then 14 years after, I went up again to Jerusalem with Barnabas and took Titus with me also. And I went up by revelation and communicated unto them that gospel which I preach among the Gentiles, but privately to them which were a reputation, lest by any means I should run or had run in vain. Um, so this may have been also the trip that Paul took to deliver donations to Jerusalem um, during the famine um, as well, which is referred to back in Acts 11 and 12. So God apparently considered the trip important. In only a few other occasions did God tell Paul to go to some place in particular. Um, Paul's first missionary journey um, was, was one example in, in Acts chapter 13 verses 1 to 3 um, where you know the Lord directed Paul and Barnabas to embark on that first journey and also the Macedonian call in Acts chapter 16. The believers in Jerusalem needed the chance to compare Paul's teaching with the truth they had received from Christ and the Old Testament scriptures. You know an opportunity to compare notes if you will to make sure that everybody's on the same page um, because you know, remember Paul, Paul didn't, you know, he wasn't with the other apostles as they spent time with the Lord. Um, and even though God had them all organized, you know, they, they needed an opportunity to, um, to gather together and compare notes, so to speak, as well, just to, just to make sure that everybody... Um, is on the same page in regards to the gospel message. Um, so God doesn't give us the same kind of special revelations today, but he did include a command for us in 1 John chapter 4 and verse 1. So let's just turn over there. Which reads, Beloved, be, believe not every spirit, but try the spirits, whether they are of God, because many false prophets are gone out into the world. Here God warns us that not every spirit or influence in our lives is worth trusting. We should test every teacher and preacher to see if they are from God. And we do this by matching up their doctrine with the truth of the word. We cannot hand this job off to someone else. This examination is an individual responsibility. And, you know, how privileged we are today that we've each got our own copy of the Bible. Imagine how hard that would have been for people back in Paul's day or even earlier. Not every family had their own copy of, um, of whatever was available at that stage. So that was more difficult for them. And yet, um, they did, the Bereans did. And 
no doubt many others as well. Um, so we have less of an excuse um, today to be um, uh, distracted from the truth or to be persuaded from the truth. We, ha we have no excuse. It's an individual responsibility um, that we must exercise. Um, also, this testing promotes unity among true teachers um, of the gospel. Let's have a look at verses 2 and 3 in Galatians chapter 2. And I went up by revelation and communicated unto them that gospel which I preach among the Gentiles, but privately to them which were of reputation, lest by any means I should run or had run in vain. But neither Titus who was with me being a Greek was compelled to be circumcised. Paul visited Jerusalem and presented the gospel that he had preached in Damascus and Antioch, not only to obey a command from God, but also to promote biblical unity among his fellow believers. Unity was very important to Christ. He told his disciples that the world would be able to identify them by their love for each other in John chapter 13, verse 35. Elsewhere in the New Testament, God commands us to maintain a unity in the spirit that is with other believers in the bond of peace Ephesians 4 um, so what's the difference between unity and cooperation the command for unity doesn't mean that we must cooperate with every effort put out by other Christians different churches and organizations will disagree uh, perhaps even strongly about how to live out the gospel of Christ sometimes one Christian cannot in good conscience cooperate with another and we must be aware of false teachers who distort the gospel. We couldn't possibly have unity in Christ with these unbelievers, even if we wanted to try. But we can love other believers. We can pray with other believers and sharpen them in their faith. We share the same Holy Spirit, the same grace and power of God, and the same gospel of Christ. The gospel, as the best and fullest expression of God's majesty, is the touchstone of unity. Paul therefore came to Jerusalem to establish unity in the gospel. Because it's going to do one of two things, isn't it? It's, it's going to um, form the basis of unity or the basis um, of separation. Um, they're, they're essentially the two, the two options that will ha happen as a result. Um, if we're sanctified by our actions... Paul, therefore, came to Jerusalem to establish unity in the gospel. His opponents, the Judaizers, defined the gospel in external terms, saying that people earned God's grace and favour by what they did or what they looked like. They ignored the internal work that God performs in a believer's heart over time. And when we try to define the gospel externally, that is, trying it, uh, tying it to the things that we can see or do or feel, every little difference between believers becomes important. If we're sanctified by our actions, then there must be a universal list of do's and don'ts. Of course, that's not the case. And if two Christians differ in appearance or practice, one of them must be wrong. But if sanctification is the work of the Spirit through grace, it's okay for Christians to have differences. The Bible is our standard but how we apply that standard will differ. We adapt our practice to reflect God to those around us. 
This principle isn't isn't an excuse to sin or to become mired in a culture that obscures the gospel, but it does mean that some Christians will, for better or worse, look and act differently than other believers. So we can learn three things about true unity in this passage. Firstly, it grows through communication. In verse 2, Paul presents his message to the leaders of the church in Jerusalem. They had likely heard many different accounts of his ministry, and some of them false. Um, you know, and so Paul needed to set the record straight on that front as well. You know, because um, obviously the the um, the guys in in Jerusalem will have heard different accounts of Paul's ministry. Um, some of them not true. Some of them uh, an exaggeration of of the truth. And so Paul needed an opportunity to set the record straight. And this is not the last time that he has to do this either. So this is understandable. Even with um, the communications options that we have today, words can become quickly misunderstood, distorted, or taken out of context. And sometimes the best way to clear misunderstanding is a direct person-to-person conversation. God therefore gave Paul the grace and wisdom to speak with the Jerusalem church directly. And even though some false teachers still opposed him even while he was he was there now the apostles and other true believers had the chance to compare his teaching with god's word they recognized the truth of paul's message and therefore established unity with their fellow believers among the gentiles and that was signified by them extending the right hand of fellowship um, which we'll see later in the passage um Unity also prevents unnecessary division. From this and other passages, um, Acts 15 and and 1 Timothy 4, we get the impression that the Judaizers tried to split the Christian church and drag some of its members back into the Old Testament system. They wanted to preserve Christianity by making it look and feel exactly like their old religious traditions. And that's part of the problem, you know by adding to the gospel message you know you can be saved by believing on the lord jesus christ and by observing all these um, other jewish traditions as well okay that's not the gospel message the gospel message is believing on the lord jesus christ and thou shalt be saved end of story um, no no additions um God didn't let this happen, thankfully, and our New Testament instead tells the story of a gospel that broke down these ethnic and cultural barriers between the Jews and the Gentiles, and between from all kinds of backgrounds. By God's grace, we now find level ground at the foot of the cross. Um, Also, unity overcomes external differences. In verse 3, Paul mentions a disagreement he had with some members of the Jerusalem church. Some of them wanted Titus, a Gentile believer, to be circumcised according to Jewish tradition. This tradition dated back to God's relationship with Abraham and had distinguished the Jewish people from many of their neighbours. To every Jewish male, circumcision was a symbol of his membership in God's chosen people um, or chosen nation a demonstration of his obedience to God's law. 
But God did not allow Titus to become circumcised. Titus was a Gentile, not a Jew. And if he needed to be circumcised in order to have unity with the believers in Jerusalem, then their unity would be based on the external work, not on the internal work of the gospel message. Um, so there were obvious hardships that followed a conversion to Christianity. Persecution, imprisonment, even death. But circumcision didn't need to be one of them. The Jews and Gentiles in Jerusalem needed to accept each other on the basis of their shared trust in the gospel of Christ. Um, but what about Timothy, Paul's other student? Why did Paul allow him to be circumcised? Timothy was half Jewish and thought it best to be circumcised so that Jewish Christians would have no reason to question his testimony or his respect for their culture. Um, he viewed circumcision as an unnecessary um, external standard that he would personally hold only for the sake of unity and providing him with the opportunity to share the gospel message, um, which is what that would have done. So we're tempted to build our unity on externals like our culture or our practices, but often, but we often don't look or behave like other Christians. So when our unity doesn't rest on the gospel, we place unnecessary walls between us and other Christians, and we lead unbelievers to think that Christians trust in their works, not um, in God's grace, and we will need to uh, leave it there. But remember, you know, we the um, the purpose of this epistle is to serve as a um, as a warning for us that um, you know we can't be too careful about protecting the purity of the gospel message. Um, you know, we need to be diligent on that front. Not only the message itself, but as we'll see um, later, um, you know, the way we act um, will portray the gospel message as well. And so that is also important, um, which we will see when we um, look in the second half of the chapter. Right, let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for the gospel message. We thank you um, so much that you sent your son uh, to die on the cross in our place. Father, even though that cost you so much, um, you offer to that, that to us um, freely, uh, that we may be reconciled to you and, um, and enjoy eternity in heaven uh, with you. We thank you, Father, for the simplicity of the gospel message. We do pray uh, that you will help us. Um, to be a faithful witness and testimony for you throughout our daily lives, that we be always ready to give an answer for this hope that you have given to each of us uh, with meekness and fear. For it's in Jesus' name we pray.